Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Hey everyone, this is Sarah, and today I'm talking with Dr. Stephen Schultz. Dr. Schultz is the Pediatric Medical Director for Rochester Regional Health's Monroe County Region and Finger Lakes Medical Associates in Geneva, where he also practices as a pediatrician. Stephen, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Uh, So we always start with a getting to know you question. Um, What's something you've been into lately? Uh, I think besides COVID, the only thing I've been into is uh, skiing, and uh, our family does a lot of it. So uh, we're at Bristol uh, every chance we uh, get, and uh, my son's been, you know, skiing since he was about two. He's eight now, and so uh, it's been fun to watch his progression, and um, it's nice activity to do as a family that's outdoor. Everybody's wearing masks and uh, safe with all the precautions that they've been taking at at Bristol, and so... um, we, we ski every chance we get. That's great. Yeah. When you live here, I think you have to embrace winter in some way, right? <laughs> in order to make it through. Exactly. Um, so I want to talk to you about COVID because you've been playing an instrumental role uh, in organizing the pediatric community through this crisis. But before we get into that, could you explain what it means to be a medical director? Uh, yeah. So to be a pediatric medical director, you um, have a lot more administrative duties. And so, you know, it involves um, staying on top of your profession, of course, and and what's going on and making sure you're knowledgeable and everything going on, Um, but also uh, oversight of the practices and providers um, that um, you are supervising. And so involves keeping relationships with uh, practice managers at the different sites, with all the providers at the different sites, uh, helping to troubleshoot any issues that come up, um, organizing uh, initiatives and efforts and research and uh, those sorts of things. So um, uh, a lot more meetings um, in in addition to uh, continuing to to practice as a pediatrician, uh, which I still do four days out of the week as well. How did you decide that you wanted to do more than see patients and and get into some of this administrative side of medicine? Um, I think a combination of of both, a little bit's chosen me and and a little bit I've I've chosen it. Um, uh, I I guess I've always had the interest in in organization and leadership and and started as a clinical lead for my practice in Geneva. Um, and then, uh, you know, when the opportunity arose to um, take over as a pediatric medical director, um, you know, I decided uh, and talking with my family and everything that uh, it was uh, something I wanted to, to give a shot and see how it, it goes. And it's definitely been a learning curve. There's not necessarily a formal training for it or, or anything like that. It's just um, developing relationships um, and, and talking to people and, and learning for um, my uh, folks that are, are in leadership above me, um, you know, how they handle things and, and um, learning from them. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely been a, a learning curve and a process over the past uh, couple of years that I've been in the role. 
As I mentioned earlier, you've been working throughout the pandemic to coordinate the pediatric community uh, on everything from how to see patients safely to access to testing to supporting schools. Um, So could you talk a little about what this past year has been like for you uh, and how our community has responded? So it's definitely been a stressful one, uh, no doubt about it with all of this. Um, and, you know, my administrative uh, duties and, and hours and meetings have uh, shot through the roof uh, and, uh, as a result of it. Um, but um, the positive side is kind of seeing some of the outcomes for how that's come together. Um, you know, luckily for the majority of pediatric patients, they don't tend to be as severely affected as adults and don't tend to get as severely uh, sick with it as, as adults. And so um, that's been, you know, a blessing uh, for pediatrics, but they're still important um, in making sure that we're keeping kids healthy, uh, we're preventing multi-system inflammatory syndrome and, and infections wherever we can and, and keeping uh, schools open. And so it's been a really nice thing to see the community uh, kind of come together uh, around that. And so Common Ground Health has uh, organized uh, Reopening Schools Safely Task Force, and it consists of a combination of uh, pediatricians, uh, school um, district um, you know, administrators, and public health um, working together to make sure we're doing everything we can for the Finger Lakes region, um, 13 county area uh, in terms of keeping kids safe and schools open. And so um, I sit on that along with a couple of my uh, partners from Rochester Regional that are pediatric medical directors, um, Dr. Beth Orlowski uh, in Wayne County and, and the East Region, and Dr. Lala Jane in the West of Matavia, um, as well as some of our UR colleagues, um, Dr. Mendoza um, and his team members and are involved in the, the BOCES district superintendents um, that kind of oversee um, all the regional school districts. And so that's been a really positive thing to have regular discussions um, put together, um, you know, community forums for pediatricians and, and school uh, professionals and, um, you know, make sure that we're presenting common guidance. Um, you know, we, we get things handed from the CDC, from the American Academy of Pediatrics that, you know, filters down into New York State Department of Health and New York State uh, Department of Education and, and kind of taking those best practice guidelines and, um, you know, putting them into a practical user-friendly format for um, all of our regional practitioners and schools to use. Yeah, I mean, I can say you know, as a pediatrician, the the work that you all have done to coordinate that response has been huge. I mean, we've all been just kind of figuring this out as we go. And the fact that we've been able to have, you know, a, a coordinated um, plan in terms of who we're seeing and what our testing is going to be like and what protocols we're following and all of that um, has really taken a lot of burden, I think, off individual pediatricians and, and practices. Um, and we've been able to do, I think, a much better job, you know, with a lot more resources. 
Yeah, and that's that's been our goal. And then, you know, of course, in, in my role, it's, you know, taking that information and um, bringing it directly to our Rochester Regional pediatricians and family practice providers. And so that's involved, um, you know, a, a toolkit that uh, I keep up to date with the most recent information. Um, it involves working with our um, EMR um, physician, uh, who, Dr. Mullen, who does a great job and, you know, has put together uh notes specific to, you know, to a COVID template for us and um, dot phrases and things that we use when we're calling patients back and providing information and, and all these kind of things that um, uh, have made that um, as smooth as possible, you know, for our providers. And then uh, Dr. Mullen and I have, you know, been doing webinars um, for the providers as well, um, uh, directly for Rochester Regional uh, providers so that we can make sure we're conveying that information, um, you know, uh, to the practicing physicians uh, as best as possible. I want to ask you a little more about schools um, because many places across the country have been unable to open schools. Um, and there's obviously a lot of fear and, and misinformation kind of running rampant. And here in the Finger Lakes region, we've been quite successful at keeping our schools open, um, you know, since the start of this school year. And even, you know, our last school district, the Rochester City School District is now able to support in-person programming and expanding that. Why do you think it's important for schools to be open? Uh, we know that kids benefit so much from the services provided at school, um, not just the obvious education piece, um, but also uh, for many families, you know, and, and kids having a safe place where they know they can trust their teachers, um, where they can receive counseling services when um, they're struggling with mental health, which so many uh, kids as, as well as adults are during this pandemic and, and all the upheaval that's come with it. Um, for providing food uh, on a consistent basis, which uh, so many, um, you know, kids and, and families struggle with um, having a warm, safe place to go, um, you know, and also identifying, you know, cases of potential abuse or neglect. Um, you know, we know from looking at data that those numbers of reporting are down. It's not that we think it's happening less, it's just they're not being identified. And so, um, you know, children, communities benefit so much from um, open schools and, and good, strong schools. And so um, it's been vital that they've been a part of the communication and the discussion and that they're, um, you know, providing best practices to keep their kids safe. And we know from the orange and yellow zone testing that, um, you know, has been implemented in New York State that um, very few kids are getting COVID and, and coming to school, that they're being identified through screening protocols, that they're not passing um, COVID to others within the schools because of all the safety protocols and you know, social distancing and masking that schools are following. Um, uh, the spread you know, and cases have increased in the community. Um, there's no doubt about that. And we are seeing more uh, children test positive for COVID, but they're not um, presenting to the schools, or if they are, they're not spreading it, um, you know, to the degree that, that is happening in the community, for sure. With the vaccine being distributed now, um, it seems like there is some light at the end of the tunnel. I think we're all starting to think ahead a little bit now, um, past, past the dark time we're in right now. When it comes to kids and families, what do you think we need to be turning our focus to, you know, in a post-pandemic world? What are going to be the issues that we're going to see um, in kids? 
Um, well, first of all, you know, we're a long way from, of course, kids getting the vaccine. Um, you know, the testing is, is going on for that right now. Um, you know, we're still a long way from a lot of uh, family members getting it unless they're uh, essential workers or healthcare workers. You know, parents aren't um, getting it yet either. So, you know, hopefully over the coming months, we see more and more of the general population being um, immunized. And um, while Moderna goes down to 16 years of age right now, you know, there's testing going on so that hopefully we can offer the vaccine to uh, children, but that's still probably a ways off. So I think we are still going to have to practice some of these precautions in the school settings over the coming year. I, I don't think that they're going to stop necessarily um, in, until we can get more widespread immunization um, and, and including kids. Um, but I think we certainly will all feel better that we know the transmission rate is down and that more of the general population is is covered and um, that we can you know continue to open things up and opportunities for kids and, and sports and uh, you know all those other kinds of activities that the kids also benefit from that have been shut down. Um, so um, we're still going to have to exercise caution, but we know this vaccine is extremely effective and, you know, is, is essentially a cure, at least from any severe illness. And again, the more of us that can all be vaccinated uh, against it, the better, for sure. You also work with a lot of uh, community organizations, particularly in Geneva, where your practice is. Will you tell us a little bit about some of that work? Uh, yeah, so I've uh, been on a board called Success for Geneva's Children um, since uh, shortly after I arrived a, a few years ago in town. And um, it's been an amazing organization. Um, Geneva has a very uh, proactive community, a very progressive community, and they're all about uh, doing whatever they can to serve the kids. And so uh, Jim and Jane Gerling um, started uh, this uh, 25 years ago now, I believe. Um, Jim was a former pastor in town and, and Jane was the Head Start director for many years and, and they're just really passionate about kids. And so it brought, has brought to the table um, various community leaders in the areas of pediatrics, um, folks in the mental health field, the child care field, the school district, and um, you know, the focus is on improving outcomes for our Geneva kids. And so um, it's been really exciting to see that, um, you know, it's a very actionable community. We, you know, benefit from having Hobart and William Smith and some of the resources that come from that, um, as well as the school district. And uh, it collects data um, on a, a regular basis to see where are our kids struggling. You know, we're looking at things like obesity rates and, uh, you know, uh, prematurity, uh, prenatal care, uh, dental visits, provider, uh, you know, having a, a medical home, um, all these sorts of things. And we've started to branch more into adverse childhood experiences over the past uh, couple of few years as well. And um, Geneva is a very diverse community. Um, you know, we have a, a, a wide range of socioeconomic status. Um, we have a wide range of um, racial and cultural backgrounds. And so uh, to see everybody kind of come sit at the table, uh, put this data together and use it to try and improve outcomes for Geneva's kids, to improve graduation rates um, has been a, a really cool thing to see in action. And so, um, you know, Geneva 2030 has come uh, out of that as well. And we kind of now serve as the kind of zero to five branch of that um, as far as success for Geneva's children's um, 
uh, board is concerned. Um, and we're just trying to help make sure every kid is ready to come into kindergarten, that they're being read to, you know, Geneva Reads is a close partner that, that does a great job. Uh, Healthy Families in New York is a great service that um, many of our families benefit, a home visiting program um, that starts young. And, um, you know, we have uh, Family Counseling Services of the Finger Lakes um, as, as part of it as well. And they're doing a lot of trauma-based and resiliency work and have developed the uh, Finger Lakes Resiliency Network. And so um, it's really neat to see, you know, some of the stuff that's often done on larger scale communities like Rochester, you know, like bigger cities around the country that, that we have that expertise and interest and ability sitting around the table in, in Geneva with, you know, 15,000 or so people in it. So um, it's been great to be a part of that and, and involved on in the community level. And I know you're a Geneva graduate yourself, Sarah. So that's... Uh, I am. I feel like a little parental pride since it's my hometown and I'm a product of Geneva schools. And I, I do feel very proud of all the work that's being done right now. And I'm, I'm very glad that you're, that you're there and part of that community. You just mentioned a couple of... Um, organizations in in Geneva I wanted to just ask you know another opportunity is there is there someplace else either in Geneva or Rochester or any of the surrounding areas because you cover quite a lot uh, with your your medical directorship as well where there's an organization that you think people should know about more that maybe doesn't get enough recognition um well I just would like to give you know the Geneva um success for Geneva's children board uh, a shout out. And, and like I said, within that, there's so many different great organizations that are doing important work, child and family resource and coordinating child care services and services that are out there for families is definitely one. Uh, Geneva Reads has been a great partner and we're able to hand out books um, to all our kids from um, their prenatal or not, not prenatal, their, uh, you know, two week visit well visit through their you know four-year visits and and putting books in kids hands is so important and um, child and family resources helps coordinate that healthy families new york and and family counseling services and, and the work they're doing with resiliency and trauma and you know our practice has taken part in in helping um make our practice as trauma-informed as possible with that too and, and understanding families and where they're coming from so um, there's, there's a lot of great work going on and it's hard to give a shout out to just just one so i'll give you a few there Fair enough. <laughs> Do you have any advice um, for someone who might be interested in following a similar career path as you or any advice that you yourself have found helpful over the years? Um, I think for me, it's just a matter of getting involved. Um, you know, I, I had an idea that I was interested in science and teaching, you know, at a relatively young age and uh, was able to shadow my primary care physician in my small town in Illinois that I grew up with for a little bit. And, you know, that led to uh, you know, biology in, in college and doing sports medicine and, um, you know, enjoying that, which, you know, has kind of led to everything else. So, um, you know, I think just getting involved um, with anything you're interested in and you'll, you'll learn and, and grow from, from that and decide whether it's something you, you really enjoy or not. That's great advice. Where can people learn more either about you or some of the work that you've mentioned? Any particular websites or social media stuff that you want to um, highlight? Yeah, I would suggest checking out the um, Common Ground Health website that has our um, uh, reopening schools safely um, for the Finger Lakes region uh, information on it. That's definitely a great one. Uh, of course, Rochester Regional Health's uh, website. Um, and, and, you know, I know they're, we're putting out videos on Facebook and, and those kind of things with a lot of great information uh, for the community uh, as well. So those would probably be the top two. Um, of course, uh, 
if you Google uh, success for Geneva's children or Geneva 2030, um, you, you can find those websites and what everything uh, that we're doing is, is happening right now. Great. And I will make sure that we have those links too um, in, the, in the information on the episode. All right. Usually my last question is what's your favorite thing about Rochester? And in your case, I will expand it to ask you what your favorite thing about the Finger Lakes region is since you live and work all over the region. <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely, uh, you know, initially it was a lot of driving. And, and so if there's anything good that, that's come out of this is that, you know, now that we're doing all these things virtually, I don't have to drive all over the region quite so much. Uh, although uh, I guess the downside is missing some of the beauty of that. And so, um, you know, I think uh, it's a, a great area. I came from uh, a land of cornfields and to have uh, mountains and lakes and hills and valleys um, is always nice. And, and the four seasons and something to do every season um, is great, whether it's skiing now in the winter or, um, you know, spending time on the, the Finger Lakes in the summer um, and everything in between. Um, you know, that, that's really the great part about the Finger Lakes, I think. Well, Stephen, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Forward podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester and Rochester Regional Health. To learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.